Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show This episode number 331 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. You can sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston and claim your no-sweat first bet for $1,000 in bonus bets. Uh, Steve Forney here, uh, episode three, uh, 331, along with Mark Allred as always, and Grace Roberts coming from uh, parts unknown. It feels like... Uh, I mean, where in the world is Grace Roberts is the game we like to play around here. How's everybody doing? I'm doing, I'm doing great. great. Yeah, uh, excited to be back talking some hockey. Um, I'm on vacation this week, so this is a great way to kick off a, a whole week of uh, creating content. 
Uh, we're bringing on some new people. We'll talk about that later on. But it's been a fun week. It's been a long week, but I'm looking forward to some time off. And um, besides that, Grace, how are you? You know, I'm doing well. Uh, been moving around a lot. Like I said, now I'm in, down in Jacksonville. Uh, currently sitting in the living room because my room has fleas, in case anybody hasn't been keeping up with my... Uh, issues on Twitter. Um, but yeah, flea problems. If anybody has any advice, feel free to let me know. I would appreciate it. <laughs> Trying to get rid of Bomb that shit. Say burn, yep. burn a place That's, down. <laughs> we have tried everything. So at this point, I'm going to start doing just some weird stuff to try and get rid of them. I don't know if there are any spells or like curses to put on my room. But anyway, so this otherwise, I'm I'm yeah. doing well. You need to doing well. get video of that. Get rid. Of, get video of that shenanigans because that's great content yeah. right there. Just go in there blasting away. <laughs> exactly. Brutal. Well, uh, good luck with all that, Grace. My goodness. Um, and you know, we talk about creating content. It is the off season. It's a great time now uh, to have you join our BNG staff. Uh, we are looking for content creators in really any way, shape, or form: podcasts, website writers, uh, YouTube video channels. Um, if that's something that you're interested in out there, feel free to reach out to Mark on Twitter or really anywhere you can get him. Um, and we'd love to have you be a part of the team here. And obviously, just because the season's over doesn't mean the content stops. So um, as, as it does today, as we continue to move forward here a little bit, um, I don't know. I think I might want to start outside of Bruins Nation a little bit. Um, did anybody stay up for that four-overtime game? Do you think that's good or bad for the game because i heard a lot of things both ways um four overtime games are they good for the sport mark um i found it fun but i didn't find it fun on a thursday night and watch the whole thing as i couldn't stop drinking the celties so my friday morning was absolutely terrible until i got a big breakfast in my face but um i i like it i like it i think it i think it i don't know but obviously i'm speaking on my own but it keeps me involved in watching until the final end. I mean, for me, I'm a hockey junkie naturally. So with this off season, we're getting down to the four teams, the nitty gritty of the year. And, and basically hockey is not going to come back. So I'm trying to absorb as much as possible uh, to help pass the time, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it, but my hangover did not. (laughs) What about you, Grace? I mean, I actually didn't watch it. I didn't watch any of it on principle. I didn't want to watch the Canes first game. I just couldn't emotionally do that uh, to myself. But I, I mean, I personally, like, I, I had friends who were at the game. They said they wanted to leave by the end of it. But I think that, you know, I think Mark's right. I think if you're a hockey junkie, like, it's, it's super enjoyable. Will it necessarily, you know, grow the game i don't know but i mean even like last night's game went to overtime between the stars and the knights and that was a great game too um but the four overtimes was brutal i i I appreciated some of the twitter discourse about ways to make it more entertaining like every overtime take another person off the ice or i don't know do something else outrageous to try and make it uh go by a little bit faster but thank thank gosh it did not go any further than four because i don't know what they would have done i don't know what they would have done (laughs) And, and it was late in the fourth overtime. I mean, they were 12 seconds away from a fifth overtime. Yeah. Crazy. I, I think, I, I think the, the, the hardest, I think one of the problems that they have is that I think a game like that is way more taxing, taxing on the skaters than the goalies. And so, I mean, it may be for the goalies mentally, but they're not physically exhaust as exhausted as the players are. And so their job almost becomes easier as the game goes on. 
So it's like by the time you hit the second overtime, like now it's just going to take the goalie to just have a total mental breakdown to score on them, you know, which eventually happens. But that's my problem with if we take skaters off. Like if they're doing three on three for two overtimes, that is talk about exhaustion. I mean, you know, um, you might get some more defensive breakdowns or something like that. That'll lead to more chances. But, you know, it's it's all about the goalies, you know, mental focus, really. I think the casual fan, not necessarily the junkie, finds that stuff interesting. And I don't know if they're willing to stay up till two o'clock, but I mean, I think they're 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 more willing to, I don't know, find a fascination with the sport with something like that. Um, you know, I stayed up. I went to bed after the first overtime because I'm like, I I was like, I, I can't if I stay up to the second overtime, then I'm going to be forced to stay up for the whole thing, and I can't be up till two in the morning. So I had to cut myself off from hockey. And the other thing too is that it's not as it doesn't happen often, right? If this was like a common thing that happened, like every third playoff game, you might have to change some things up. I mean, baseball is a timing issue because every freaking game is three and a half hours. This is such a rare thing that I just, I don't think, uh, I really don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I don't know what that's going to mean for game two. I don't know what kind of shape these guys are going to be in, you know, but um, I don't know. I, I find it kind of fascinating. So uh, again, one of those kind of rare rare things that you see that uh, happened the other night. Um, and one of the things, speaking of that game, um, the Florida Panthers here, they just might go ahead, right ahead and win the whole damn thing. Um, yep. And as we got, you know, as the Bruins got eliminated by Florida, if they do go win the whole thing, will that ease the pain of the first round loss for, for you, Grace? You know, I do sort of go back and forth about whether or not I will feel better, the more successful the Panthers are. Honestly, I kind of would feel a little bit better, as as much better as I can possibly feel, just because it, it does make it a little bit validating. Don't get me wrong, I still think that the Bruins had a complete and utter collapse and should have beat the Panthers. Um, but the Panthers are clearly proving that they were a, a force to be reckoned with from the beginning of the playoffs. So I guess that, that it does sort of soften the blow in some sense. Um, not doesn't make it any better. doesn't make it, a, it's not an excuse for what the Bruins did because they should have won still. Um, but I don't know. I think it's entertaining to watch a team that, you know, seemed like they just snuck their way into the playoffs, suddenly have this outrageous success because, I don't know, Bobrovsky woke up and Matthew Kachuk is dragging these lifeless bodies to a potential Stanley Cup. So I don't know. I think it's entertaining. I I, I I like watching it. I definitely want them to beat the Hurricanes. So yeah, no kidding. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. But you, Mark. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on board with what Grace is saying. Um, but I I think the sting would be much worse if they lost uh, to Toronto in the second round. You know, um, yeah, that would be pretty bad. Uh, and I don't want to see Toronto any more happier than they are right now because, yeah, uh, the the shit is like hitting the fan in To as uh, Kyle Dubis is now gone, um, and what a weird, 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 weird exit. Uh, Brendan Shanahan did a, um, an interview yesterday uh, explaining the whole process, and it was like they had a deal going. Then, then Kyle Dubis said something publicly after the exit meetings. Like, I, I don't, I need to find out if I want to be the GM here in, in Toronto. And that kind of took uh, Brendan Shanahan to another route where he's like, well, now it's panic mode. Now I got to find another GM. And very, very awkward, in my opinion, on how that whole thing happened. But still, get back to the point. You know, you can't discredit uh, Florida and what they're doing so far this season. Um, you know, and it, it, it's a it's a team that really came on late 
just get that wild card spot and so on. And then look what they're doing now. They're in the conference finals against the Carolina Hurricanes. And yes, I do want to see Florida beat the crap out of Carolina. Not a fan of the Hurricanes at all. I will bet all day, all day, and all night on FanDuel against them because I, I, I just don't like them. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my, my, my take on the whole thing. I, you know, I, I'm pulling for um, uh, Florida to win the Cup, but I also have action with all four teams. So no matter who <laughs> yeah. wins, I'm going to win money. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I'm sort of like that. And, you know, these comparisons to Tampa when they won the President's Cup and then they lost to Columbus, it's like – well, at least we didn't lose to freaking Columbus like you jackasses did, right? So it's like they got I swept. They got swept got by the blue jackets. Exactly. So I think I think it would ease ease the pain a little bit. And you know, we do forget that they won the President's Trophy last year, and they're still a pretty good team. And I don't know. I find them kind of likable. Now I'm not playing them, and I'm kind of watching them. I, I think they're kind of a likable team. Um, you know, they got some good personality on there, and you know, when you're not playing them, they're actually. They're actually kind of fun to root for. So, uh, but yeah, I'm like you guys. I can't stand Carolina. Those uh, freaking poser Hartford Whalers fans. Um, yeah, I just I, I I agree. So I'd like to see I'd like to see them, and I'd like to see uh, Dallas because the further that Vegas goes with uh, head coach Bruce Cassidy, the worse that move looks. Oh, so, you know, um, I, I like the Knights. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I, I, well, I like their team. I love I love Eichel. I like Marcia So, former Springfield Falcon. But the fact that the fact that uh Bruce Cassidy's still playing hockey and the Bruins aren't yeah. is kind of a kick in the teeth. That's exactly it. The narratives are coming out absolute dog shit. Like if you don't want to hear this, get off Twitter, get off social media. Because every level that Bruce Cassidy is successful, it's always gonna turn around. We got rid of the wrong guy. And, and I'm sorry, but I am still on board with this move. It was done appropriately, in my opinion. And, you know, I mean, what we have to, what we have to understand is it doesn't matter where coaches go throughout the NHL. It seems like they're, they're cycling through these guys. I mean, Mike Babcock might come back. Who knows? I mean, Joel Quenville could come back. Who knows? By having Cassidy in there, it's just like a, a very bad narrative that we got rid of the wrong guy. And, you know, I told you so. Those those pundits are all out there. Absolutely not. This was the right move. Um, you know, because the coaches get stale sometimes. The message gets stale. We've heard it. We've said it several times. And even even professional players on, on, uh, on you know, panels like NHL.com or NHL Network and so on, they say the same thing. Sometimes you just need that fresh voice. We got that fresh voice from uh, from um, Bruce Cassidy, from Jim Montgomery this season. But ultimately, that voice wasn't heard or strong or, or whatever. It collapsed, like Grace said, in the playoffs. And it was uh, just a choke job, in my opinion. And But I'm still on board with him being this coach moving forward. Because like he said in the exit meetings, this is a learning process for not only him and his coaching staff, but also the players. You know, we all have to be on the same page, regardless if it's the regular season or the off season. We need to execute appropriately. We need to match up appropriately with teams. And they didn't do that against the Florida Panthers. And, you know, some things are going to change this off season. So it's going to be interesting. And we'll talk about our lineups later on, what we could see in internal aspect from all of us here. And then as we get closer to the free agency and, and the draft, We'll we'll uh, talk about those appropriately, but for right now, it's just it's a uh, it's mind boggling to figure out what this team's going to look like next season. Yeah, no, I I think the free the the, the fresh voice was needed. Um, 
And, you know, I, I the, the bigger example was Tom Brady. It was like, how do we get rid of Tom Brady? And then he won a Super Bowl. Well, Tom Brady and the coach were so done with each other. It was a divorce that needed to happen. Just because you have a divorce and then your ex goes and marries a, a supermodel, that doesn't mean that the divorce still had to happen. So, um, no, I, I agree. It's just, yeah, there's, there's definitely those people out there, Mark, that are like, oh, look at Bruce Cassidy Bruins fans. It's like, come on, get over yourselves. Um, <laughs> but talking about coaching, you know, and I don't know if you guys talked about this last week at all, but they did have the, you mentioned the, the exit interview there where they, um, they dug up the Jacobses and they probably met Jim Montgomery for the first time. Those uh, weasels, um, you know, they do have a tendency to blame the coach. Um, they tend to look at I would the president, Cam Neely, and ask what the problem is. And Cam is gonna, not going to say the problem's me, and he's not going to say the problem's Sweeney. Uh, I think that's why the coach usually gets, you know, gets the short end of the straw. Um, it looks like Montgomery's job for now is safe. But, you know, I think we, I talked about this a little bit in this, um, you know, our friend Mo that was on the B&G Discord brought this up. You know, what is it? What about the assistants? And, you know, I, I thought that they didn't make enough adjustments. I thought it was weird that they changed the head coach, but didn't change a lot of the people on the staff. Um, what do we think the future holds for Monty and or his assistants, Mark? Um, I would, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought John Gruden did a great job with the, with the defense in the regular season. Obviously the message wasn't clear enough from him on that, on the back end uh, in the postseason because there was a lot of breakdowns and we'll get, We'll talk about one of them that is another sh- surprise when it comes to injuries that we didn't he- really hear about. But the play was ultimately noticeable throughout that first round. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I know Chris Kelly. He does a great job with the with special teams. Uh, Joe Sacco as well. Um, I don't know if that is the ultimate answer, but. If it is, I would definitely make changes as soon as possible uh, to get them in, um, you know, before the draft and so on. But, I mean, I, I guess anything could happen uh, when they, when you want to get uh, some kind of response out of out of the bench, um, you know, and, and the people that are under Bruce. Uh, why do I always want to say Bruce Gaskin? Jim Montgomery, um, you know, I, that could be a possibility. But I, I really bring this on the players and not the staff. Um, I mean, collectively, yes, you can bring it. It's a team failure across the board. But ultimately, I just kind of I don't want to blame. I wouldn't want to put a ton of blame on the coaching staff as a group, but more or less on the players, just possibly just not taking it all in. And and like Sharon Deet has said the past couple times, it almost seemed like Montgomery was allowing the players to coach themselves, which was kind of weird, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that that was a, a common theme that we saw sort of at the press conference, just that spreading of blame. I think there's it's due a lot of different places. Yeah, I'm not off board the Montgomery train. I, I was, But then again, I wasn't like one of those people, like I know my dad was like this. I wasn't one of those people that was like really, really pissed when we got rid of Bruce Cassidy. Not that I didn't like Bruce Cassidy, it just – I, I don't know. It wasn't working. We didn't have the success that we thought that we should be having. So, um, so yeah, I mean, so that's why I'm still, I think that it was a learning experience, you know, and I, I appreciate, I think that we saw a lot of accountability um, that Jim Montgomery was putting on himself at the press conference. So I don't know. I'm hopeful still ready to, you know, 
start again. And hopefully I think that the really big improvements that we need to see are going to happen come playoff time. So it might be a while before these theories get tested, but I don't know. I'm still hopeful, still on board the Monty train, but I'm, I'm, I will, I will be swayed if things go poorly again next season. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's a thin line, especially when you're a young coach or a new coach. And I think the Celtics are learning this right now. There's a thin line between understanding, you know, well, we have a lot of great leaders on this team and we're a veteran group. And, you know, it's almost like you allow them to manage themselves, but at some point you have to still be the coach and still do coach things and look at a guy like Bergeron and say, no, I'm the coach. We're going to do it my way. And I'm just using him as, as him as an example, but at some point as the coach, you have to coach. And, you know, I think it's easy for, a guy maybe like Monty to, to, uh, I don't want to say, you know, kick his heels up on his desk and put his hands up and, you know, say, Hey, you guys got it, you know? Um, but I, I think that it's, you know, the time is going to come when you have to be the head coach and you have to lead. And, you know, I think like he said, he's learning. I think that's something that he's definitely going to have to, you know, work on as you go. You know, it's gotta be hard to look at veterans that are going to be future hall of famers and, and, you know, give them the what for, but it's some, something you got to do sometimes, you know? So I don't know why, but I'm, I'm kind of out on Joe Sacco and I can't even really tell you why other than I don't know what he does and I don't know what he brings. And I don't know, I don't see something magical happen on the ice and be like, boy, there's the genius of Joe Sacco. Like, I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I think they need somebody in there that can get creative with the offense that can get creative with the power play because I mean, quite frankly, at the end of the year, they were getting a little predictable and, you know, on the power play, I think it's part of the reason why it wasn't working is because they were too predictable. At some point, somebody has got to say, you know, Pasternak, we're going to put you behind the net and see how they see how they play it. You know, just something new and different and uh, that they can sprinkle in. And I, there wasn't any of that. And I don't know who that person is. And I think I said this last week, but I'd rather them not be a, a former Bruin. Let's just, let's go get somebody besides, Kelly and McQuaid and, you know, which are the guys I like, but maybe we step outside of the box. Did I, why, did I blow up your spot, Mark? Yeah, you did a little bit. I was all getting all hyped to talk about this guy, but, you know, this – Mark Savard? If, yes, yes. If was Joe that your Sacco guy? Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. If Joe Sacco is is not returning, because he, he possibly could – he could have worked him his, himself into a coaching job, you know, if there's a team out there that, that's looking, obviously – um, but yeah, I think that that creativity and so on might come from a guy like Mark Savard. Uh, you know, when you when you when the Boston Bruins throughout the playoffs needed to make that shot and not overpass all the time, I think that a guy like Mark Savard and his creativity and the way that guy thinks and way the way he played would bring a, a, a fresh look to number one a power play that we've been starving for success for a long time. Um, you know, we're always in the top ranks of the penalty kill. So I think that, you know, Chris Kelly is, is on top of that. But when it comes to creativity and, and, and finding those opportunities when you need more shots, I think a guy like Mark Savard would, would, would definitely uh, be an upgrade. But also I do want to mention, if this offseason, if the Providence Bruins replace Ryan Mugenel, with an available coach that's probably on the uprise of an NHL job, that is a clear indication that the Boston Bruins might have Jim Montgomery on the hot seat. If Ryan Mugenel continues in Providence throughout this 
off season, which, which I hope he does. He's a, de- he's a decent coach. Then I think Montgomery's job is safe. Um, so we'll see what happens with that, but I don't know. It's a little early to discuss that, but um, yeah, but if there's changes down to the Providence Bruins, you know, that that might be uh, a, you know, kind of a fail safe idea. Interesting. Yeah. I, I guess I'll, I'll go with Savard because, <laughs> and even, and even, you know, what he's done in, where is he? Windsor. Uh, yep. uh, you know, he seems to be doing pretty well out there too. So, um, I don't know. I always love, love Mark Savard. So sure. I'll take him. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, looking at, uh, some reports that came out last week, uh, Hampus Lindholm had mentioned that he had a broken foot played through it, uh, through the first round. These injuries always kind of trickle out here at the end. Um, for me, that was good news because that I mean, cause he was so bad. That I was like, does this guy just suck in the playoffs? Well, no, he had a broken foot, so that that's good news, I guess. Um, does it raise any questions for you guys though about sort of why he was playing, or you know how the Bruins handled injuries this year? Grace, what are your thoughts on you know between him and Bergeron, and you know these guys were banged up, but they were still playing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I when I saw that, I was like. I kind of had the same reaction as you in the sense of like, oh, thank God. Not because obviously you wanted him to be hurt, but because you wanted there to be some explanation for the truly abysmal play that he was showing throughout the playoffs. Um, But it does, I guess, yeah, I guess it does raise the biggest question of why. And there were so many whys, obviously, that we spent weeks talking about now, about coaching decisions that were made. I, I don't. Obviously, I was already pissed about the way that the defense was run come playoff time, just with, you know, Forbert being in there, uh, Matt Grislick never being in there. Um, it, so I already had some questionable, some, some questions about what went on. But I do think that the the issue of injuries was a significant question mark on the decision-making by the coaching staff. And one of the biggest ones for me, because it's so much, you go back into it's so much more than it being just about this season. You know, you put players like Bergeron, who is older and has historically had some pretty serious injuries. Um, Krejci, same thing. And Lindholm as well. It kind of, it, it worries you a little bit because you, you want to still see those players be successful in the future. And is a playoff series against the Florida Panthers, a wild card really worth that. Um, I, but yeah, it, it it was some degree of relief to know that maybe Hampus-Lenholm wasn't just, I think uh, Steve's exact words in one episode were peeing down his leg during the playoffs. It's good to know that it was something that wasn't that, um, at least not completely that. So, but I don't know. I was also thinking earlier today when I was in the car about, you know, Bergeron, like, what about, you know, you get to game seven and you're Bergeron, like, I, I feel like I would insist on playing simply because maybe it's my last game. Like maybe it really is going to be the last chance that I have. And of course I think it was too late. It it was all too late. Everything that happened was too late. It was too late in game one. Like everything had already, I think that had been written, but um, yeah. So I don't know. I, the injuries did concern me. I I don't really understand why Lindholm was playing through that. Um, I get that he's our, you know, maybe top two defensemen, depending on who you ask. Brandon Carlo, I think, is making a case for being up there now. But um, like, is he that is he that good that he's that we want to play him with a broken foot? I don't know. That that doesn't feel like how great he is. But I don't know. What do you think, Mark? To me, this whole thing. I mean, this this goes back to the regular season towards the end 
when he was scratched for a game because he was uh, trying to recover from a nagging injury. And I'm not sure if it was a game or a couple of them. But if that's the case, why was this player constantly playing till the end? In my opinion, that just seems like it's almost making the injury worse. And you're not fully prepared for a postseason uh, appearance against the Florida Panthers. Um, so a lot of these players that were saying we wanted to be more involved towards the end of the season because we wanted to stay fresh, that is all well and good and admirable. But still, you you thrived on your depth, your roster depth throughout the whole season. That was a record-breaking season. And players were just stepping up because it, they knew that this was something special. I just don't understand why towards the end of the year we didn't utilize more of those players, regardless if it was like calling somebody up, regardless if they're waiver wire eligible and so on. I just don't understand why the depth wasn't used more towards the end to rest guys like that who do have these injuries. Uh, just don't get that. And ultimately, I kind of think that with these players that are injured and, and all the stuff that's coming out right now, you know, would have been a little bit more resolved. I think we would have been a little bit more prepared for the Florida Panthers if we weren't so tired. I mean, I mean, that might, that might not be the greatest take ever, but I just wish that the depth was used a little bit more. And, and yes, I do believe that um, an injured Lynn home at like 75% is better than a conic lifted. Maybe I get that narrative and so on, but still it's like when you have healthy, it just bothers me personally when you have healthy, um, you know, teammates and, and and your depth that you're not really using it. And you're just relying on, uh, you know, he's a veteran and he does, he's, he's really good at this and so on. I just wish the depth was used a little bit more appropriately. Oh, I totally agree. Why, why bother having it? Why bother trading for depth? Why, why bother, you know, going out and getting Orlov and, and stacking your bottom line? Why even bother having a minor league system? If you're not going to use the depth at your fingertips, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and I, 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 the only thing I disagree with you on, Mark, is that I would rather have a 100% Cliffy Hockey than have 75% Hampus Lindholm. If if it's a broken sure. foot, you know, I mean, if that again, if that game goes four overtimes, you know, what's that going to do to the guy's foot? So like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, and the same goes for you know, same goes for Olmark. Like, you got another guy. Like, why bother? You know, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. So, no, I'm I'm sort of with you guys. I don't understand. Um, I don't understand why why they other than you know because it's you know we're grown ass men. We're you know tough guys, and hockey players are so tough and play through it and all that stuff. That's fine. But if you're gonna do that, you're not gonna you're not gonna play through it for very long before you're golfing, right? So like, um, I don't know. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But. Um, it is nice to know, like like uh, Grace said, he he doesn't just pee down his leg come playoff time. You know, um, I'm willing to give him another shot before we start, you know, the trade Hampus Lindholm stuff because um, I don't think he necessarily got a fair shake of it here uh, coming into this this playoff. So um, very interesting. Um, one other thing too, and then I want to I want to hear from our our wonderful sponsors as well. But um, Jake DeBrusque, he's got one year left. Uh, on his two-year, four million dollar contract, are they? Uh, what's the plan here? We're we gonna trade him for salary, resign, you know, play it out to the end. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? I I want to. I'd like to keep him. This there is a narrative out there that he he did increase his um 
uh, his value this year. You know, tur- it's a big turnaround season for him. Probably, I don't know if he eclipsed his uh, his rookie year when he got 27 goals or he got close to it, whatever. But still, this was a big year for Jake DeBrusk moving forward in his career. Um, so there's a lot of value on him right now. Teams are, you know, probably are calling and want to know, you know, if he's going to be available. I, I am not sure if that if I want to move him quite yet. I know that $4 million salary is, is um, you know, we need that to, you know, recover some of this cap. We're already $4.5 million in the hole from the get-go. So there's going to be a lot of different, you know, pieces that Evan Gold have to move around and along with Don Sweeney. But I'd like to keep them because if we were incorporating more youth into our roster uh, with the possibility, I, I'd like to keep a player like that to be that, kind of guy that you look up to a younger guy can look up to um you know a, a player like Jake DeBrusque and, and what he went through and possibly you know have some uh, uh, leadership uh aspects to uh to that to his role and um you know kind of a, a custom a, a new player into the lineup and the organization and so on so I kind of think that that's important I also think that Jake DeBrusque could build on this uh this great season that he had in his final year of his contract and even be maybe a valued asset at next year's trade deadline. Who knows? But regardless, everybody knows I'm a fence guy. I see value on the, on the, on the market. I see value as a member of the team. Um, So either way for me is, is, is good when you're trying to shed salary cap, but also keep some of that core alive and, and, and well that you learn so much from players like Bergeron, maybe a guy like Jason Bruss might be able to, filter that down to some new folks that might be joining the team. Yeah, I I I think Mark what you said at the end is totally true. I think that there is there's such an important distinction between you know your value in general improving your value for other teams and improving your value on the team that you're playing on. For me, I think that Jake DeBrus I, the the big the best example I have of this I think that between like Jake DeBrus for example and a Tyler Bertuzzi I think Tyler Bertuzzi proved that he's worth a lot more to any team with his play for the Bruins this end of the season here whereas I think that Jake DeBrus while yes he definitely showed that he is a good player and deserves to be paid um, has a lot to offer any team I think that he also really I think a lot of his success can be attributed to the team that he was on the people around him and also the circumstances that changed from last season obviously we know the drama that existed between Jake DeBrusque and and Bruce Cassidy and so I think that I think I agree with you I think one more year will give him the opportunity to continue to show that it's not just that he was on a really successful team and that he you know played as successfully as the people around him I think that he has the opportunity to go above and beyond that so I certainly want to keep him around because I think he is really valuable to the team I think he's valuable to younger players because he's sort of that in-between age you know he's not quite as old as Coyle but he's also not you know he's, he's a leader he can be a leader on the team um, I think you're right especially given what he went through last year and how he's grown from that so I'd like to keep him around I, I just like him he's really I used to not be a really big DeBrus person until this season. Uh, he really turned it around for me. But um, so, yeah, I think that I, I want to see him continue to grow his value on the team. And you're right. Maybe come trade deadline, maybe he'll be somebody valuable. But I, I agree. Obviously, we have a lot to work. We have to work through a lot in terms of how we're going to make room for all the players we want to have. But I don't know that he's a person I'd be willing to part with. Yeah, I, I agree. It's the it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. Um and I don't know, from what I 
from what I gather in the few interactions I've had with him, he's just a funny dude. Like, funny to me, funny has value. Uh, sense of humor and comedy and personality have value in, you know, in any workplace. Um, and so I think that he is a good guy to have around. You know, I mean, just even with what he does on the ice, it just he seems like a good guy um, to have around and hang on to. And, um, you know, from what I gather, you know, yeah, Bertuzzi's got a good personality, too. And, you know, but David Krejci, to me, feels like uh, the personality of a, of a painted brick wall. So, um, you know, I, I just think that having a guy like DeBrusque is is worth it. You know, it's worth it to to have that. And, and you know, and, I mean, Sean Corrali, I thought was one of those guys who was really like just funny and like a good locker room guy. And um, you'd like to see him stick around too. But um, no, I think keeping a guy like Jake is important. I just, I think the better he plays, the more expensive he's going to be. And they've already shelled out a lot of money in a lot of different areas. So you got to keep that in mind too, is, is how expensive is he going to be? So plenty more to get here, get to here, but we do want to uh, hear from some of our, our sponsors and we want you to make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Um, I, I have yet to necessarily hit on the Celtics because I keep expecting more out of them. Uh, I keep thinking that they're going to actually show up and play some defense, and they don't. Um, but, uh, I, I am going to uh, start taking the over from now on because, uh, I kept taking the under and it's, it's not working. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to have to fix that. Grace, you, what do, what's your deal over there with the, with the season? Oh, I, I keep, I hedge my emotions. I always say where I will bet on the other, other team. I have hit both of those. So I am like up a good amount of money after the two 76ers wins. So, you know what? Maybe I should stop, though, because maybe it's clearly doing something not good for the Celtics. Usually it goes the other way. Usually it's, you know, the team that you that you bet on ends up losing. But here I am making money while the Celtics keep losing. So, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I uh, definitely I'd keep betting on the basketball games going forward. They've been fun. How about you, Mark? I do not do basketball. Don't even watch it. But I am all involved in the PGA Championship this weekend. Yeah. From the Oak Hills uh, and uh, also the 148th running of the Preakness Stakes of the beautiful state of Maryland. So I'll be uh, involved in that today. So very excited. That one's today, the Preakness? Yes, sir. All right. I know what I'm doing this afternoon. I'm going to let the kids pick some horses again. <laughs> um, they, they did all right last time. Um but either way, there is no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official betting partner of the NBA. And might I also throw in, you can wager on the WNBA as well uh, in my Connecticut Sun, so keep your eye on that as well. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NBA, 21-plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text 
next step n-e-x-t-s-t-e-p to 53342 in arizona uh 1888 wow 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat uh, also, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in the great state of Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, uh, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support here in Massachusetts. Uh, visit uh, www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, one eight seven seven eight hope ny or text hope ny to uh, that's four six seven three six nine in the great state of new york and if you are in wyoming one eight one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero or visit one eight hundred gambler dot net for the great state of west virginia uh, also, we, we want to hear from our friends uh, at Action Electronics, a good partner for us uh, over there as well for 30 years, over 30 years. Action Electronics, a Walpole mass company, has been the leading source of value-added time-saving supply chain solutions. Visit them online at actionelectronics.com. You can give their customer service a call at 508-668-3131 and follow the company's social media accounts as well. On Facebook, they're at Action Electronics. And Twitter, they're at AE Supply Chain. On Instagram, they are at Action Electronics as well. Also, you can follow the official Action Electronics YouTube channel. That's at elect, at Action Electronics TV. And uh, we appreciate all the support from our friends at Action Electronics. Go check them out, local business. Uh, we're happy to have them on board. So um, we uh, did each the three of us take uh, take a crack at projecting what we think the lineup could look like. I made the mistake of adding in a whole bunch of trades and stuff that I thought was going to happen because uh, I want Drake Batherson here really badly from Ottawa. Um, but uh, we, we looked at what we have internally and uh, put together a lineup. Um, so I don't know, Mark, we're going to pop those up on the screen. Is that right? And sort of run through them. Sure. Let's go start with you, Steve. All right. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I do think that keeping Hathaway is something that's probably more uh, uh, more doable than Bertuzzi or Orlov, unfortunately. Um, I do. I would like to see some of these young kids get involved. I think that Lizell and Merikulov are, are probably going to be shots in the dark. But I do think Johnny Beecher there at center is um, is, is sort of definitely the way to go there. Um, you know, you're going to keep Nick Foligno, obviously. Um, but for those, of, I guess for those of you who aren't watching the channel, I can uh, read it off to you. Marshawn, Zaka, Pasternak, DeBrusque, Coyle, Hall, Lizelle, Merkulov, Frederick, uh, Nick Foligno, Johnny Beecher, Garnet Hathaway. And then on defense, I have McAvoy and Lindholm, Grizzlick and Carlo, Forbert and Mason Lowry. And I put Swayman and Bussy because I do in my heart of hearts believe that Ulmark will get moved at some point here. So uh, that's sort of what I'm looking at. Let's get Grace's up here. Grace, your lineup number one. We kind of did a um, uh, a with Patrice Bergeron and Krejci and without scenario. Uh, so here's, here's Grace's right here. Yeah. So with Bergeron and Krejci, I'll just read them out for those of you who aren't watching the YouTube video. I got Marshawn, Bergeron, DeBrusque, Bertuzzi, because I'm an optimist at heart, Krejci, Pasta, Third line, Lauko, Coyle, Frederick, and then Hall, Zaka, Lysel uh, as the fourth line. And then on defense, Grizzlick, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Lowry, Forbert uh, as the bottom pair. And then I 
would like Allmark to stay, but I agree there's a good chance that he could get moved around. Um, but I have Allmark and Swayman there. Um, I feel not great about these lines, not totally confident, uh, especially not with the uncertainty Bergeron and Krejci, but I think it could happen. I believe in it, and I, uh, I'd, uh, I'd put money on it, you know? <laughs> All right, so here's your second lineup. Yep, so without Bergeron and Krejci, top line gets a little funky here, so stay with me. Uh, Marshawn Coyle, DeBrusque, second line, Bertuzzi, Zaka, Pasta, then Hall, Beecher, Go Blue, Frederick. Lauko, Steen, Lysel, and then on D, same thing that I had before, Grizzly, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Lowry, Forbert, um, and then still with the Allmark and Swayman because I want to believe that there's going to be more Allmark and Swayman going on. So, <laughs> All right, here comes the craziness because I am a goalie and we're all crazy. We're all crazy. It's true. Um, but uh, it's true. <laughs> I love how you agree. <laughs> All right. So here's my lineup, which should be interesting. Um, this is obviously with Bergeron and Krejci coming back. So um, mine is a first line of Marshan, Bergeron, DeBrusque. Uh, second line, Zaka, Krejci, Pasternak. Third line, Hall, Coyle, Frederick. Uh, the fourth line is kind of a mix of Lauko and Greer with Beecher at center and Steen on the right side. Uh, defensive pairings of Orloff. He, I believe Orloff might be coming back. So Orloff, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, and Lowry, and Jakob Zvorl. Uh, and I believe Swayman is going to be staying, and Allmark will be traded. And that means a spot for Brandon Bussey to come in at a very low cap hit. So basically my lineup right here is very uh, cap-friendly for what the Bruins have to do this offseason. I'm not saying it's going to be the right moves and so on, but it's just an idea of what we're going to possibly see um, because the the cap is, we're already, like I said, $4.5 million in the hole. So a lot of, and Don Sweeney said that they're going to um, integrate more youth into the lineup, which is going to be under, you know, uh, the million-dollar AAV. Uh, some guys on entry-level contracts are going to get opportunities, I believe, so. But that is my lineup with uh, Bergeron and Krejci coming back. And here is my lineup with them not coming back. So I have uh, first line of Marshan, Coyle, DeBrusque. Second line of Hall, Zaka, Pasternak. A third line of Georgi Mikulov, Trent Frederick, and Oscar Steen. A fourth line of Lauko slash Greer, Beecher at center, and Mark McLaughlin on the right side. And defensive pairings are pretty much the same. Orloff, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Lowrise, Borrell, and the goaltenders are the same with Swayman and Bussy. One thing I wanted to question, um, uh, Grace, uh, interesting that you put Lysel on the fourth line. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not questioning the idea of him being ready or not, but is the fourth line duties, do you think, um, good for him? Um, because in my opinion, a player like him that definitely needs to build on his his uh, two way game, his defensive style of game. Really good player with the puck. Um, it, I don't think that that fourth line's a great place to put him. If that is the case, I would rather see him in Providence for another year. But I'm I'm curious on your thoughts. Yeah, and if I had to choose, I'd rather see him in Providence another year. Honestly, um, and honestly, that, that's not necessarily. I'm not you know married to that. There's. I wouldn't be, I'd be fine with uh, Merkulov moving in somehow. Um, but the reason that I sort of went with that is because I think that, especially if you look at the uh, Bergeron and Krejci lines, that they're still around, 
putting him down, I feel like with Hall and Zaka, I think that I think that Zaka is a pretty good two-way player. Um, maybe not as good as, obviously not as good as Bergeron, and, and maybe not even like a Coil, but I still think that he has the ability to sort of pick up a little bit of the slack there. I do. My only concern, you're right, is the when you put him on my my fourth line with Hall, then you're sort of weaker two-way on the wings if Hall plays the way that Hall has historically played. Um, in the playoffs, he kind of, I think, was a little bit better about it. But I think that my real justification for it is that I don't know I don't know what else to do. I wish that Hathaway would stay. I want him on the fourth line. Um, and, and honestly, like, I, I would – I'd also be willing to my, – I have my third line as Lauko, Coyle, Frederick, and my fourth line is Hall, Zaka, Lysel. I would switch – I would be willing to switch Lysel and Frederick because I think Frederick can handle the fourth line. Um, oh, yeah. He's a little bit better. So I would do that as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't love I don't love any of these. And I, I still think <laughs> that my lives are not – they're not cap-friendly enough. So, I mean, yeah. I don't feel optimistic about any of it. But – it's going to be a different looking team. It's going to be weird. There are going to be people in places you don't want them to be doing things you don't want them to be doing. So I'm, yeah. I don't know. That's where I'm at. Nobody, uh, nobody thinks uh, Nick Foligno's coming back. I honestly, I don't think so. Uh, I, I'm not sure even at a cap friendly deal, it's feasible. Um, and that's just my opinion. Like I don't even have Bertuzzi coming back because he's just by listening to so many great podcasts out there for the past couple of weeks. I think the market's going to be big on him and he could get over 5 million, possibly 6 million, maybe even 6.5 somewhere else. Uh, that might be an attractive place for him. But if he, I mean, if he wants to stay in Boston and it can work on, you know, a cap friendly deal, then go for it. But I still, even at a cap friendly deal, I just don't think that the Bruins have enough uh, to, to keep him and so on. I, I really don't know what this roster is going to look like next year because of what's, what's happening with the, with the, the cap situation, but um, like, I don't even have Hathaway coming back. Even if, if, even if it's at a veteran million dollars um, it's yeah. And, and to go back on what Mo was saying, uh, or no, actually I'll, I'll save that for later. Cause we do have some, um, we do have a couple questions from the discord that I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, give away, but yeah, I just, I, I it's going to be interesting to say the least. Um, I, I just, just listening as you talk, I, I think, you know, either you either bring back Bertuzzi or you plan on signing DeBrusque long term. I think it's that's that those two players I think are sort of an either or. And you know, I think I, as long as you can make the money work, it makes if I was running the show and I, looking at both players equally, you sign Bertuzzi and then you flip DeBrusque for some sort of value, you know, like you, you rather than let one walk, you bring back Bertuzzi and flip DeBrusque and I don't know, see where that gets you, but yeah, it's going to be hard. There's no way that they can sign Bertuzzi now and then also sign DeBrusque at the end of, at the end of the year. Like you can't, it's going to have to be either or with those two. So, and I, I yeah. do like Bertuzzi. I like Bertuzzi a lot. I, I do love, too. Everybody loves Bertuzzi. I love yeah, him. It's just, <laughs> God, it's like, you know, he did so good on getting here from day one. He was just like really into what, the system provided for him and the, and the positions that he was put in. Um, and I thought he really looked really freaking good. I think he was one of the better acquisitions we got at the trade deadline and I want to keep him, but 
Cap Logistics just have me thinking. Cap Logistics have me watching Moneyball over and over and over again. <laughs> just trying to figure it all out. Now I got to go to Billy Bean to figure it out, and I hate baseball. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's going to be some some gymnastics. And again, we are uh, just about a month away from the draft. So um, a lot could happen between now and then, and then a lot could happen on draft night. I have a feeling that this year we're going to see one of the busier draft – I don't even say just draft night, but you know the two or three days leading up to the draft. I think we're going to see more action in terms of player movements this year than we have in a long, long time. You know what's funny? You talk about the draft, Steve. This is so center-laden this year. It's so deep in center depth in this draft, and it's sad that we're not going to be involved because we need centers. Because yeah. Krejci's probably not coming back. Bergeron's not going to play forever. But we, we, the Bruins do have good depth. I mean, Brett Harrison, Mercure Loft, and so on. Um, but you still have to add. You still have to nurture. You still have to, you know, bring up and get these kids into the system and so on. Much like how uh, Bergeron did back in his day. So. Uh, really missing out on the first three rounds this year when you're trying to look at and address any position. Um, you know, I even, I even canceled my trip down to uh, Nashville a while ago because I knew that this, I mean, they weren't going to be picking. So why go down and just, even just if I got there. media access, yeah, I, I mean, just to be there and watch everybody else have the success in the first round on day one, it's just, that doesn't, that doesn't sound fun to me. I want to be the guy that gets the media creds and goes down there and interviews that first round pick. You know, it's exciting. I just don't want to have all that stuff uh, remaining on, on day two while everybody else is having fun. Real quick. Do you think um, by myself, do, do you think either Allmark or DeBrus can get you back into the, into the first round? From my opinion, I don't know what Grace has to say about this, but I think that, yes, I, I kind of, the way he played, uh, the accolades that he gathered, um, I think that if somebody's looking, yes, I think that, you know, I would I would work with a team that is, uh, that's drafting low, that needs a goalie, you know, um, that, you know, I would love to, like, as much as I hate sending players to, to you know, to, to basically die, uh, Arizona would be a place I would go because they have multiple picks this year. They can give one up depending on where they are. The Hartford obviously. Coyotes. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think all Mark, I think all Mark will get you in possibly another piece, you know, um, it's just so weird. Oh, this is going to be a weird off season. That's funny. I don't yeah. know what, um, Oh, sorry. Real quick. I don't know what Jordan Bennington's contract situation is, but I think St. Louis <laughs> is really done with that guy. And oh, I'm yeah. wondering if they would be interested in moving on from him and taking a guy like Omar. Cause I think even with the Tarasenko trade and the O'Reilly trade, I think they have like three first round picks this year. So that's another oh. place to look to. Well, um, what about, I don't know. Great? What about the, what about the senators? I think the senators need, they desperately need a goalie and he's, I don't think he's precluded from them in his no movement. Right. Yeah. Not I'm not sure them. what the think... list looks like, but Anyway, but at any rate, if, if they can get him, I think the Senators, Senators have a ton of young players. I don't think they, they really need any, like, high draft picks that they have. I mean, they have – I mean, they're so young. You know, uh, Pinto, obviously, I mean, they have one of the youngest captains in the league and Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla. Um, Batterson, they're young. my guy, Drake yeah, Batterson. Matt, your guy, Batterson. <laughs> Love Drake um, Batterson. I, I think that and, – and they desperately need a goalie. They told – Talbot to hit the road. So 
I, uh, I don't, I think they would be, I think they, I already think they're going to be dangerous. I think they would be so dangerous if they got a guy like Omar. So I'm scared of them. I'm scared of them. Yeah. But do you, do you trade within the, uh, the division? Uh, Traditionally, the Bruins don't do that. The last time it happened, last time it happened was with Buffalo, you know, and kind of Taylor Hall kind of pushed that forward. Like I want to go to Boston or, or else, but traditionally they don't normally do that with, uh, inner division, but they got, they got, yeah. they got Tuca from Toronto. Yeah, but that oh, was also yeah. a while, a while yeah, ago. Same. Yeah. 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 No, no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, interesting. So the draft, obviously, like we said, about a week away, also a month away. Also this week, the Bruins announced their development camp and rookie camp dates. Uh, development camp um, from Monday, July 3rd to Friday, July 7th at the Warrior, um, which would be cool to go down there and check it out. We, that's open to the public, right? I assume. Yes, it is. It's open to the public. Um, a great facility at the Warrior Ice Arena in Brighton, Massachusetts. Um, and they put on a great, great development camp uh, Friday. I'm going the last day because that's uh, scrimmage day. Uh, I've been to so many of these and and, and we're going to have staff there. But I'm, I'm taking the, uh, the time off. I'm not going to this development camp because I took this upcoming week off from work. So um yeah like i said we're gonna have plenty of people there doing the coverage live tweeting and so on but i will be there for the friday scrimmage uh because that's pretty much the most exciting uh most of the week it's just all training and skills and skating and so on just really getting these new players that just got drafted and some that uh, got drafted in pre the previous two or three years uh some more experience and how the boston bruins organization work uh get them close by with your player development and so on and you know um there's a lot of good things that happen at these camps, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I'll, I might be able to check that out. Bring, bring the kiddos uh, down to warrior. I've actually never been in warrior, believe it or not. I oh, it's awesome. a whole bunch, but it looks like a pretty sweet awesome. place. Um, and then also we have rookie camp coming up. Uh, that is in Buffalo and that'll be uh, September 13th through September 18th. So, um, you know, <laughs> Rookie camp with a team that's not picking in the first three rounds might be a little slim pickings, but uh, you know, it's a, it's a little different um, because traditionally rookie camp is one day at the warrior ice arena. And then they fly to Buffalo to participate in the prospects challenge. So that was kind of all mixed into one. Uh, And I am planning on trying to be uh, going to Buffalo to cover that event um, in September. So that'd be fun to do. I love the prospects challenge. They normally, uh, you know, put it on the uh, stream so others can watch. Um, but it's a good tournament from uh, the Bruins, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and New Jersey. So uh, a little warm up for the for the prospects. Um, NCAA prospects don't go to that because that's uh, considered a a pro event. So and they oh, can't God. attend because the fact is that uh, the NCAA considers that um, a pro event, and they could lose their uh, scholarships. Oh, unless the team, unless the team that they play for in the NCAA allows them to go, but traditionally they don't allow them to go because the season is like so close. It, I mean, like the NCAA season starts in October, I believe. So I don't think teams want to risk any. You know, could you imagine Adam Fantilli getting drafted and all of a sudden playing in the uh, in the uh, in the prospects challenge or a tournament like that in September and getting injured and then not being ready to? to play that next season for his college team. If he goes back, that's kind of hard yeah. to, to think about. Oh, well, you can write a letter to the, your former favorite governor, Charlie Baker, who's now running the show. Isn't he right? He's running the show in the NCAA, I think. I no. Get, I, oh, oh, I don't know Murray about Walsh. that. 
Yeah, Marty Walsh is uh, the players' uh, union rep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Get these even worse. Even worse. I know. Marty. Um, so we do have two submissions from our uh, BNG Discord server as well. Um, we'll hear from Shan, Sharon, and Joe all uh, reached out to us with stuff. Um, you can pass along um, your questions and help us get through this offseason as well by joining our Hockey Talk. Uh, we are on discord.gg. Uh, let's see, gg slash 6d9mq. CPTU3. <laughs> That's it. It's probably That's an easier it. way to do it. I'm sure you could just look us up in Discord and we'll pop right up. But yeah, the 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 link will be in the show notes. Every it's a live link that never expires. So check out our show notes. I put it on the uh, the audio podcast and the um, the YouTube video content. Um, but Shan Shan comes in with more of a, a in, informal uh, thing that Garnet Hathaway and Noel Achari are playing in an exhibition game on the 15th of July at Providence college Schneider arena uh, for check the stigma. So um, check that out if you want to. Um, thank you, Shan, for uh, providing that. Uh, does, our friendship. Oh, sorry. Does, does Garnet Hathaway usually play in this? I have no idea. This is the first time I've heard of it. I was, I was going to say, uh, if this is his first year playing in it. Yeah. That's, that's a telltale sign for him possibly coming back. Grace. I yeah. think he wants – I think Garnett Hathaway wants to stay. I mean, he's a main guy through and through. I think it's every New Englander's dream as a hockey player to play for the Bruins. I And also, did anybody else catch that uh, – I saw it on Twitter, that video of him barehanding the ball, uh, catching it oh, at yeah. the Red Sox game? Electric. Yeah. So awesome. fun. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. He's hanging around, clearly. Yeah. And he's, I, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to look it up to see if he's done it before. But I – I don't know. I think everything he's been doing has has been making it seem like he might stick around, and I think he'd be a cheap option to keep around. And I personally really like him. So yeah, he he might even be a cheap option if Allmark gets traded. Did you see that glove hand? Yeah, right. <laughs> to, to put him in there. All right, uh, friend of the show, Sharon Dietz, always uh, provides great great content for us to talk about the inability to make adjustments. Do you think that lies more on the players or coaches, i.e. in some of the uh, past game uh, comments, uh, mostly during the season, they were comments of players being too stubborn, especially on the power play, not making the play that was there or looking for the perfect play instead of taking what was there. Curious if you think uh, better coaching could change that or is this more of personnel change in the needs uh, to be made. It's a very interesting uh, topic. Um, and I think this is one that's going to be addressed this off season that there's no more like you guys coach yourselves. Uh, you guys do this and that. I think that it has to be a, a stern voice. And I'm not saying a stern Bruce Cassidy voice. It has to be a good voice from uh, the coaching staff to we we all have to be all in. This is no more. We're all in for 64 game, uh, you know, season and record breaking season and then flop in the playoffs. That's going to change. Um, but that's just w- from my opinion. What do you guys think about Sharon's comments? Go ahead, Grace. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that, I think that that's a good point about, I think we saw sort of the power play. A big issue was the uh, not taking shots, not shooting. I mean, there were times on the power play where, 
way, I mean, way too frequently, we were getting zero shots off on the power play in the, in the playoffs and a little bit before that too. So I think that, I think that Sharon raises a good point. I, I do think a lot of that is on the, the players to take the shots, but I also think it's on the coaching to say to them, take the shot that's there. Stop trying to look for these perfect passes because that's where you keep turning the puck over constantly. And it's where you end up missing, you know, because at the end of the day, hockey is to some extent when you're shooting the puck, a luck thing, you know, you shoot the puck, it could go in, who knows, but you know, you're not going to miss all the shots you don't take. You're not going to make it in if you're not even shooting and you're trying to find a pass to, you know, pass on the other side, that perfect, you know, one timer. So I think that it's on the coaches to say to do it, but I also think, I kind of think the players should have done it anyway, but you know, it, it, it is Execute. what it is. So, yeah. Now yeah. at this point, I think that's what matters. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both because if it's not working and the script isn't changing, then you're not going to follow the script. Do you know what I mean? So if, yep. if, and, and you know, the times when you're going to get, I think the most, you're almost going to out creativity yourself to death on things like the power play are when it's either a really, really struggling and you're trying to figure out anything or, when you are just steamrolling teams and you're up by six to one, you're up six to one against the freaking, you know, Islanders in December. Right. So like during the season where they, they get into, you know, Harlem Globetrotters out there probably, but that's what happens when you're on an 11 game winning streak and you're blowing everybody out. So like, I, I do think it's a little bit of both, but I don't, I, if I had to pick one, I don't think that the script from the coaching staff was changing very much. And when we talk about issues on the power play, that's one thing, but, to me, the biggest issue of the power play were the zone entries and the zone entries to me are on the coaches of designing. Okay. Instead of doing this, do that. And I don't think that never changed. They were just beating their head into the wall for the entire last couple months of the season. Uh, Joe uh, comes in with the, the final question from our uh, discord. What's this person's name? Joe, 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 Joe. Core okay. Red Sox. All right. So Joe asked, I'm curious to hear other people's opinion on, of the three trade deadline acquisitions, who would we like to see most return to the team next season? And for the sake of the question, ignore outside factors such as cap space, contract construction, or likelihood of it happening just purely on the ice performance and why. Joe says for him, it's Burt, Orloff, Hathaway, in that order. Joe, I disagree, but I appreciate this is a good question. So <laughs> so who do you have, Grace? What, what's your order? I'd switched Orloff and Hathaway. I, I, I wasn't. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not an Orloff stand like some people really became. Um, I liked him. He was good. We needed him, and he delivered not as much in the playoffs, but he he was there and helpful. But um, ignoring you know everything else, I obviously I think everybody would put Bertuzzi first. If you don't, I think you're insane. Um, and then I think Hathaway. I just love the way he plays. Maybe it's a little bit of main bias being from there. He played uh hockey at the school my brother went to high school um so i feel like uh i don't know maybe that's biased but i also just love the way he plays i think he's a great leader a great you know he's gonna put everything he has out on the ice so that's why i'd switch those last two but i don't know what do you guys think uh i would go bert orloff hathaway in that order same as joe i i just think that if they can make it work i think bertuzzi adds uh um something that we need we need somebody that can um, read a good play. He's a great passer. He's probably got the best no-look pass that I've seen on this team. And most of the time, Marshan and Prasenak, when they give the no-look, they're giving it to the other team. So with the turnovers, um, 
But I, I just think that Orloff uh, is a veteran. He moves the puck well. I thought his defensive structure was good this past year, not in the playoffs, obviously. But I think that he could be retained for a decent amount of money. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of my thought on that. Um, yeah, I am I am with Grace. I would go uh, Bertuzzi, Orlov, Hathaway. I, I think that finding a defenseman that can do – that could be a diet Orlov is easier than trying to find a, somebody who's a diet Bertuzzi. Um, and I do think that, I do think that Hathaway fills a really important role. And for the guys that fill that role across the league, um, I think he is one of the more skilled ones. Like I think he's more skilled than Ryan Reeves. Right. Yeah. Um, or, you know, Luke, Gadjevich or Jonah Gadjevich or whatever the guy's name is out there in San Jose. Like I think having that kind of muscle and the guy, the guys that can go out there and smash people around is, is still an important place. And I, I need them to be more skilled than Donald Brashear. And, um, and so I think that um, I think that Hathaway fills that role. So I, I do think that there's some importance there. I'll keep him. I mean, I didn't just hate playing against him in, in, in Washington. Like I just hated yes. playing against Garnet Hathaway. I'm like, yes. no, that this freaking guy again, you know. Right? Um, and I yeah, think I that, that, that's still the there. Image you know? of him laying on the laying on the ice, that celebration, and that like first game when we played them, maybe it was when he scored and he did this little like that's burned into my brain. But so that's yeah. why I've loved having him. So. Um, well, if you uh, want to ask us some questions, you can do that. Of course, uh, on our Discord, we also have the Ask uh, BNG. Um, Hashtag, you can check that out too. We also have a listener hotline as well, uh, 978-504-2727. You can give us a call anytime, uh, day or night. We will play it for you right here on the uh, on the show and answer your questions or um, bash your opinion or uh, whatever it is that you want to talk about. <laughs> we, will, we will get involved with it there. And um, we also, of course, have um, our Patreon uh, campaign going on as well, right, Mark? Yes, we do. And uh, it is this month at the end of the month. So basically the next podcast we get together, we'll be giving away this Matt Grizzlick hand signed jersey. This is from uh, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, Bruce Sullivan. Thank you very much, Bruce. Really sharp, sharp looking jersey, fully authenticated from JSA. This is all for a dollar. So again, and I know I repeat myself every every week, but it's a dollar per episode. We do about four to six episodes a month. Um, it's a very small investment, but you get to win some really cool stuff. Uh, hand signed items from either a uh, alumni, uh, alumni, yeah, alumni player or um, a current player. So, um, yeah, what we do is to take half of your dollar and pay the bills here on all these platforms that I that I currently purchase on my credit card, and um, and the other half is we buy more jerseys from Bruce. So, and we have. We have two other jerseys we're going to give away in the next couple of months. So uh, the the May jersey is obviously the Matt Grizzly jersey. The um, June jersey is Adam McQuaid. Really nice, re- really nice stuff here. And the July jersey is uh, the um, the uh, Sean Thornton jersey, hand signed and so on. Beautiful stuff. So really excited to be giving away all this stuff for our our financial supporters. And uh, like I said, if you want to get involved, please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate that $1. And um, we did double check the spelling of Grizzlick. I have to admit, I still, I, I'm a spelling nerd and I still can't figure it out. Even when I was filling out my lineup sheet, when I was working for the brew and I was 
Bruins, I was just like G-R-I-Z-L-I-C-K because I didn't even want to like <laughs> I didn't even want to take a shot where the C's and the Z's go. Um, <laughs> but the thing is spelled correctly, so um, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, Absolutely. But we do appreciate everyone that con- contributes and helps us helps us keep it going and keep the lights on. And again, we'll mention we'll, just one more time. Um, off season's a big time for us here at BNG to uh, uh, get staff and build our own team. And um, we're always looking for podcasters, website writers, YouTube creators, uh, content, content, content is sort of the name of the game here. So if you want to get in on the action, um, talk to Mark, myself or Grace, and we'll point you in the right direction. Yeah. And we're going to continue these black and gold hockey podcasts until the the season starts every week. Obviously if uh, it's the summertime, so people do, you know, go away vacation and so on. But I think we have a supporting crew enough to facilitate um, additions and guests and so on to keep that weekly content going to help you, you know, pass the time this off season. Uh, but we do have uh, live streams on the What's Brewing podcast on Monday nights every week with hosts Chris Nosek and Mike Sullivan. And they have some amazing guests. So uh, definitely subscribe to this YouTube channel uh, to see those every Monday. I'll make appearances and, and several other people will make appearances. But we're also going to be something doing something really cool. Um I'm a golf guy. I love golf, and I know a bunch of people out there that play golf, and they love the Bruins. So we're going to be doing uh, a PGA 2K23 because now there's cross-play. PS5s, PS4s, and uh, Xbox folks can now play the same game. So what we're going to do is we're going to have one moderator uh, talk current Bruins issues and some Bruins trivia while four people get together and play a round of golf. I think it's a great idea. I think that's going to be a weekly thing, most likely on the weeknights. So if you guys uh, have the have the game and you want to join us uh, and you can talk Bruins and play golf at the same time, please reach out. We'll definitely have you on and have some fun. You know, we're all about creating content, but also just we want to um, make these events more, um, more, uh, you know, available to our listeners and our friends and so on just to like i said we want to help pass the time we we need bruins hockey back and i think that this is a great uh you know time to you know just to piss away this off season and and get get back to uh you know regular programming in september and october so uh the more we can interact with our friends and and, and family and and listeners and supporters and it's the it's 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 better for all of us so and you don't have to uh, talk in your golf voice just because it's golf. You don't have to be like a 60-foot, 62-foot. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely uh, moving, not. Moving Absolutely not. We can have some fun nope. with it. You can um, happy Gilmore that shit if you want yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> Get a little so, crowd noise here, please. Come on. <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> so, well, uh, it's been fun. Episode 331. Uh, big thank you to our friends at Action Electronics and, of course, uh, to our friends at FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Don't forget, you can sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston for your no-sweat first bet for $1,000. Uh, thrilled to have them on board with us as well. Uh, Mark Grace, this was a lot of fun uh, considering, um, you know, where where the team is at and where the the playoffs are at and everything else. It's um, still important, I think, to have some fun, and I think we accomplished that today. Absolutely. Yeah. Great episode, guys. Thank you so much for doing this and uh, definitely subscribe on all listening platforms and subscribe here to the YouTube channel. Uh, we're growing. We just need more support uh, in that effort. And obviously, we appreciate everybody sharing and retweeting and interacting with us on a regular
Cool. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to LLC at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at BlackAndGoldPod, at BNG Productions, at BlackAndGold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official BlackAndGoldHockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Peace out.